Hello, and welcome back to Karen All Talks. This is the seventh episode of the Fashion Podcast. I'm Angie. I'm Deuce. And we're here with Nipur. Hi. So she's a stylist and she runs her own shop. So if you could tell us a little bit about just yourself and your shop. Um, I'm Nooper. I'm a sophomore and I major in marketing and economics and I do have my own little clothing shop and I've recently just started um, growing it and getting it bigger because I did start it back when I was a sophomore in high school. So during like almost at the beginning of COVID a little bit before and I just uh, started off selling like my old clothes. I think a lot of people just started off doing that. And then, um, I mean, I had like passion before that, but it was kind of just like one of these things that was more of like a hobby because growing up in an Asian household, you know, um, you can't really have a creative brain. But um, I started doing that and then slowly I realized like, oh, this is fun. And I really like actually like mod like, picking out clothes, styling for certain people, and it also helped me um, transform my own personal style into what I like. So um, eventually, I started just selling vintage, just for low prices. I just thought it was fun, because I love thrift shopping, and I would usually just shop for myself and anything that didn't really fit right. I'd be like, oh, I could just sell it. Um, And then I started learning how to sew, and that was a really big deal for me, because um, It's one of those things where like, yeah, having like being able to style yourself and like firsthand stuff is fun, but being able to like make your own silhouettes and actually put creative input into what you like is like a completely different game. So I started doing that and I I had to stop basically my freshman year of college because I started off as a biochemistry major and I didn't really have time to do anything, I basically had to stop selling stuff. And obviously I was stressing like a bum every single day. <laughs> so, um, but now I switched my major and I've had a lot of time to actually focus on what I like doing and actually find jobs, opportunities and stuff within that. And that's good. Yeah, I know a lot of people who they found a lot of like freedom once they switched majors Same. majorly yeah. that's how I was do you think with you switching your major that you've like um been able to kind of learn stuff that can help you with like the story that you have right now oh definitely because you know it starts off as just like oh, I'm making a little bit of pocket money but um I, I took accounting for the first time and it was crazy because I was like I can actually track the f- own financial progress of my own shop and I was actually applying things to my hobbies mm-hmm. which was so crazy actually because now I've been able to make it like a job like I actually sustain myself off of it and I make my own hours which is really fun can't beat that yeah, yeah. exactly but yeah I'm sure it also helped with like coursework too because you could apply what you were learning like actually instead of like making a theoretical like business you actually have one that can help with accounting and stuff oh definitely because you know whenever you're doing like stem and it's come two completely different things um it's really hard to um you don't find any passion in your schoolwork just because you can't really apply it to your daily life mm-hmm. and i feel like at least with business even though i would love to ma- major in like fashion design um my parents won't let me <laughs> but um i would love to do that but even with business it's a really good um kind of gateway into um, working in the fashion industry and I feel like switching my major really helped me realize that there's so many opportunities within a hobby that I really liked. Yeah and then like I feel like it's usually good almost to all like do business when you have like an interest into going into an industry because you can kind of work on like fashion design and stuff on your own and stuff um, and like hone your skills maybe just like through online classes or something and then learn like the full business side because that's really what keeps everything running. A lot of people don't like have the business side they kind of just have one or the other so I think when you kind of like can focus on if you're focusing on school wise the business then everything else is kind of just like playing into it and I do it a lot like in my business classes I'll be on my iPad but I'll have like split screens and I'll be taking notes for class but also take notes for like business notes like oh okay I can apply this to this 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 these are my class notes oh this 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 so it's pretty neat I told myself as like a kid because I'm like just in arts and science and whatever 
um, that I was not ever going to do business. But the more I've like, especially in the past year, I'm like, man, that would have been smart. <laughs> like I was, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should have done the business college. I think is business is so easy to deal with, and it does. It's not like super all-consuming, and I feel like a lot of creative fields. Not that I'm saying that classwork isn't good for that, but a lot of them you can transform within like your own, like just doing it by yourself, like community classes and stuff like that. Um, because my mom always told me she was like, if you majored in fashion design, you would end up hating it because once you put a due date on things it starts to make you feel less passionate about those things. I feel like you have to do it versus, like, I want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, one of my friends was a fine arts, like, major. Um, I forget what specifically hers was, but she ended up, like, fully dropping out because it was, like, she started not liking um, her artistic, like, expression in general because it was, like, being judged by the professors and Mm -hmm. the students. And then she was getting more critical of it um, for herself as well. So she just was like, no, I don't want to hate this thing that I really like doing. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to not, which is fair. And I feel like, um, especially, yeah, like with art and stuff like that, um, a lot of people, I guess, in in art in general, if you look at fashion and everything, people are very, what's the word, stuck up, um, especially with creative things because... It's hard to make it in those fields, and once you do, it kind of becomes, like, this thing. And I always feel like there's the trope of, like, the annoying fashion person or the annoying art person. But it's, like, actually super common, and it kind of brings you down, especially in classes because professors can be that way, too. Yeah, I think that's something really that just, like, plague. (laughs) Plague is, like, a really extreme word, but I feel like plague is the right one for, like, creative fields. Because my best friend goes to a music school, and... There are a lot of kind of pretentious people that she, like, encounter, but a lot of, like, not, too. So I feel like it's just any creative field. You kind of have to have, like, some form of an ego almost, but then, like, it maybe spirals out of control sometimes. Definitely. Yeah, I know that they, um, at her school, what people will do is they'll have bat- their backpacks and they'll have like little QR codes for like their their like SoundCloud account and stuff and like they want you as you're walking behind them to like scan it and stuff when she told me that I was like what? It's actually kind of dope though. I've never I've never heard that before <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah there's like um some specific social networking thing for like up and coming like musicians that no idea what the name of it was because she dropped it once like three years ago and never mentioned it again Okay, but it was like they also have like a little tiny little like thing like a little SD card type thing that has the QR code but also it's another scanner type thing and if you have the app it sends you to like their full profile with like all of their like credits and so it's it was a whole okay. thing pretty neat yeah she sent me a picture of like someone's backpack that she was like behind one day and I was like that there's a lot happening on there so it's a whole different world but I do want to say I have loved looking at your shop. That rug skirt that you made, I loved it. I, I found that rug at the thrift store, and I was like, oh, I would. I, I had originally made, like, an initial prototype of the skirt because I was still figuring out, like, patterns and stuff because I make my own patterns, so I don't, like, use store-bought ones. So, like, I remember I used up half that rug going through, like, trial and error, and finally the last skirt I made actually worked out, and then I had none of the rug left to make anything else. Hey, but now you have the pattern. Exactly. Exactly. Can I ask what goes into, like, making your own patterns for sewing? Because my grandmother, um, like, was trying to teach me how to sew, um, but we never got to, like, the pattern part, and I never knew if she actually made her own patterns or if it was, like, from a really old book that she had. So, um, usually whenever I'm going about making my own patterns, I usually first map it on my own clothes. So just like using your own clothes is kind of like a silhouette. And then usually online you can look up like the measurements of how far out you need to go on each of the, like the sleeves or the, the, um, side part to like up sizes and how much seam allowance you have to have to actually do that. I started I re- I started off because I really wanted to make a corset. I bought like a vintage pattern for it. And I'd realized that their like their size guide is so hard to like decipher and kind of like um it's it's old. So like I didn't really understand it and I was like 
well, I'm going to try and do this myself. So, like, if I, if I don't, like, feel comfortable going up sizes or I don't feel comfortable within my measurements, usually I'll um, just go to the thrift store and get, like, bigger sizes to actually map out that way. So, like... With a lot of my skirts, usually um, it's easy to do with skirts because it's just the waist and the hips that needs to be adjusted. But pants is like a completely different thing because you have to work with like not only the waist, the hips, but also the inseam and the outseam, which is a, a lot harder to do. And I've only recently like I used to do it just like by hand, like kind of with my intuition. But I've recently actually started cutting like paper patterns so I can keep and use for later. But I definitely feel like if you're learning how to sew, it's not necessary to have a pattern, especially if you're just trying to make things that fit yourself. Um, your own clothes are like the best pattern you can have. And you can always just make them bigger by going out with the inches for the seams. Okay, okay cool. Can I ask with when you made the um, corset, did you have to do all the boning and everything too for it? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, like, I... I remember when I first started, I my main thing was because I saw all these videos on TikTok of people making corsets. And I was like, oh, my God, that will look so cool with, like, a little, like, the tapestry pattern. So I did, like, get the boning and everything. The problem is with, like, corsets is um, you always think it's going to be just, like, one piece of, like, cloth. And then you kind of just work from that. But a corset pattern has so many different sections like I remember the front part had like five different pieces and the back was like another four and I was freaking out because I was like I really don't know how to I was beginning and like the boning is a whole nother thing because like you have to find the right like like it, it can't be too thick it can't be too hard you need to be able to make it moldable kind of and then also you have to find like a nice lining for the inside of a corset which I've never bought fabrics from like Joann's and stuff. I always use like thrift store fabrics because buying an actual yard of fabric is so expensive. Yeah, <laughs> so like I remember my base would be like someone's curtains or something and it would just like the materials would not like work together. I think it has to be very specific to um, what kind of out, like out material you're using and the in material. But after a first failed attempt at corseting, I've um, kind of tried more like working up to it now just generally trying to get better at making shirts because I've really spent a lot of time on making pants and bottoms that I didn't spend that much time really thinking about shirts and tops and how to actually like dark clothes so they don't like go out at the ends it actually fits your body in cinches mm -hmm. which was like a hard thing to learn because I was like why can't we just use one piece of fabric and just keep it that way <laughs> But um, now I, I still have all my corset material and I still have um, patterns. So I'm thinking one day I'm going to make a corset. My roommate has been really wanting me to make her one. <laughs> I'm going to try it again. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the videos that you're talking about of people making corsets. And I just I can't imagine doing it. And they'll be like, I made it in two hours. And I'm like, I spend like half a day like messing with my sewing machine trying to make a skirt. <laughs> can't imagine yeah my grandmother would like churn out like quilts and like back little baby back. clothes constantly <laughs> i don't know how she did it that fast and she would also like cook all day and like i'm like, and then we would also do like puzzles together too and she would finish them like super fast I'm, like, how, how are we doing this right now no i'm great at puzzles i'm great at them we would do like seven thousand piece ones or something when i was like eight so i'd be like trying to match her speed yeah. But, like, she would make—we have—the only things from my, like, um, infancy are the clothes that she made, and they still hold up, like, completely. I have no idea where she got the fabrics or anything, because they're definitely better quality than what you can buy um, right now. So I have no idea. But she would make them so fast and so <laughs> often that I was like— Hold on, slow down. I, I, I don't know. I'm only on the hand sewing part. Like, come on. And so I, was, I always think it's so crazy that, like, you know, like, with um, uh, labor within, like, the clothing industry, how they're paid really low wages, seamstresses have to do a lot and a lot fast. It's really hard to make things straight and mm -hmm. churn them out. And I always think it's so crazy because it took me so long to learn how to do it. And these people, they just... paid so little. Yeah. It's wild. And they can do it, like extremely fast like perfectly mm -hmm. like it all looks the exact same like uh, yeah i don't know 
absolutely crazy, especially like jeans and stuff like that or like figuring out buttons and stuff. I cannot imagine how they do it so fast because I've seen like these videos of they just it's it's so smooth. Like, I don't know if it's automated, but I know you have to do it by hand sometimes. You at least have to like thread the fabric through on your own and not mess it up even in just that way. Like, the literal pants I'm wearing now, they have so many, like, random pockets and everything, too. Like, I don't understand uh-huh. at all. Oh, it's crazy. And I think, like, after you start sewing, you see how, like, messed up your lines are. And it's like, wow, I've been putting so much time into this. And it's looking at these clothes, I'm like, they just, it's it's a copy perfect. You never really find any, like, mistakes. I majorly relate to the like looking at your own work and being like, oh, because yeah. I can't, I haven't, I haven't sewn anything in a very long time, um, and we only got to me being able to like sew, um, like hand sew different um, like little bits of fabric to like maybe st- like um, patch up something or whatever. That's the furthest we ever got, and the only thing I ever actually like sewed was my pillow pet as a child (laughs) got really ripped up and I was just like I'm gonna sew the head back together that's all but it looked really rough and we still have it and I did not match the thread at all and I'm like "Mm." (laughs) I'm like I kind of butchered this so I relate sometimes I'm like it just looks like I did like sutures not like actually stitching (laughs) yeah I think it looks great when you first look at it though because I've got some stuff that, like, I've hands on. Like, when I got done with it, I was like, okay, that looks all right. And then I looked back, and I was like, what were you thinking, Yeah, man? you look back, like, a year later, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, the way that that pillow pet is um, sewn currently looks like I had to get stitches when I was a kid, and it looks the same. <laughs> like, the exact same. And I'm like, uh, whoops. Where do you um, think you, well, where do you draw your inspiration from for your store and just, like, styling yourself, styling other people? Um, definitely. I mean, growing up, I, um, in this, uh, in the Indian community, you've always seen a lot of these, well, in the Indian community, fashion is a big thing. And I feel like growing up and seeing all these beautiful saris and all these beautiful dresses, I've always felt inspired to kind of make something that's like home to like my culture and how I feel. And like, Within, like, obviously I'm a teenage girl, and I love 90s fashion, I love Y2K fashion, but I also love color, which is a big thing I take from my Indian heritage. I love bejeweled things, I love color, and I love, like, just long skirts, mesh overlays. And I think that with um, my personal shop, especially when I source vintage and stuff like that, I tend to go for more flashy pieces, which I feel like... um, at least starting off in the vintage community and getting to know the people in it. Not a lot of people um, really market towards like a younger demographic. Obviously online, it's like very prevalent, you know, with like the T-pop girlies and everything. But if you like go to like a vintage market in Kentucky, you um, see a lot of like older 70s and 80s vintage stuff, but you don't see any like super flashy Y2K stuff. That is true. And I love selling that stuff, and I, I, I love dressing like that. And I think um, the biggest thing for me is meshing eras and meshing different kinds of style, because I always came here wearing, like, a Victorian-style top with this, like, kilt skirt. So, like, I really like meshing with, like, super old-timey pieces, like, 1800-style with more modern things, like pants and, like... Like tighter silhouette with like skinny jeans and stuff like that. I think I take a lot of inspiration from that. And also, obviously, I take a lot of inspiration from TikTok. Um, I think we all do. And just currently, what we're seeing online. And I do love taking inspiration from a lot of big fashion houses, specifically um, Dior, Galliano era. Okay. I mean, it's a very solid era yeah. <laughs> to take inspiration from. I love the mixing of eras, though, that you mentioned. I love seeing that because I really like historical fashion in general. Like, I know a lot about it. And so I just love when people play with it a lot because I feel like sometimes when you think of it, it's just really easy to just go with the silhouettes that already existed and, like, paintings and stuff. Um, So I like when people experiment with it. It's very fun. 
Oh, I definitely love it. And I love people when I see people out here, like you don't see it very often, but occasionally I'll see someone wearing like a little Victorian style dress or something with like these chunky boots. And I'm like, oh, I love it. There is someone on campus who wears demonias every day that I see them on campus. And I'm like, I want to be you so badly, like every single time. Because <laughs> I'm like, firstly, how are you walking around <laughs> constantly with them? But also, I want to be you fully. <laughs> Yeah, I love seeing their fits all the time. I have no idea who they are, but I'm like, I, yeah. I also think like um, whenever you're drawing style inspiration, especially um, when you're from like rural areas, and this is not really rural, but it's still like Kentucky. It's rural enough. Yeah. yeah. And growing up in West Virginia, I feel like you don't really see people who dress kind of out there because a lot of people tend to like move towards more um, what everyone else is wearing. Exactly. And I feel like that's why I love um, being a part of just like what I like the vintage community, the fashion community, because you can really see what people like and they don't really care how people see them. And that's what I really love. Like, I know people stare at me sometimes when I walk down the street, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, I like it. And if I look stupid, I'd rather look stupid than look boring. Exactly. And you kind of got to accept it here because that's like, I had said that a while ago, like growing up here, it's kind of like me growing up. I never had that. I never was going out of my way to like try on or put on what I wanted to put on. It was kind of like what everybody else was wearing slash what I thought was kind of popular. And then kind of through COVID and coming to college, I kind of like started getting way more creative with what I wanted to wear and what I liked. And it was just kind of one of those things like you got to say, whatever, if you guys don't like it, it doesn't matter because I'm the one wearing it. You're not. Yeah, I think COVID is such a really interesting like case study in terms of just like fashion and expression, because it like before on campus, there was like a handful of people who weren't wearing like just like leggings or jeans and stuff like there was a very small amount of people that weren't like really dressing like very out there really ever but like coming back onto campus after like lockdown and everything there is way more like self-expression you can tell like something is hand-sewn or they like upcycled it it's thrifted like you can tell it like there's a lot more self-expression it's not all the exact same like types of fits mm -hmm. so it's, it's just really interesting to see i like COVID sucked. It did. But a lot of good things came out of it, though. Yeah, a lot of good things, like, happened from it. I think it made it... I think also lockdown forced people to be okay with themselves. Because exactly. Because you were alone with yourself for so long. Mm -hmm. And that's, like... I'm very introverted, and I just think it's, like, super important that no matter what, you need to be comfortable with being by yourself. Because there's going to be points in your life where you are going to be. And I think that that forced people to have to be. And so they started, like, being who they actually are instead of, like having to deal with the social culture of like high school and stuff like where you feel like you can't like dress this way because you might get bullied or something like that so it's just an interesting case study it is i feel like a lot of people found more confidence in themselves and mm -hmm. what they were wearing through that time i definitely did me too like i also definitely thrived because i was like i'm not a social person <laughs> so i was like it's, this is great for me <laughs> just I, scrolling um, before that i was super social and like that time being alone it kind of like made me realize I kind of like being alone sometimes. Like, I need that time to just, like, be with myself and, like, think on my own and not always doing what other people are doing. So it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, lockdown, like, was good and bad in some ways, but I definitely liked on specifically TikTok seeing all of, like, um, the different, like, waves and stuff because, like, some of them were trends, but also, like, the waves were just, like, like the alt like, trend was mainly from people in the beginning of lockdown starting to really dress more alt like they actually were instead of like how they had to kind of act around like in society. Um, so it was just really fun to see. I liked that a lot. And I wish that it, I wish that that was still kind of the culture now, like on TikTok of like that aspect of it. But I think it's just transgressed so much now that it, like, we can't go back to that original, like, we're finding ourselves because kind of everyone has. Yeah. I feel like after, during lockdown, you saw so many crazy makeup looks, so many mm -hmm. cool, like, people, I feel like, at least, like, generally, just being alone with yourself and being able to really think about what you like, not being influenced by seeing all these other people, really changed, like, people's own personal style. I mean, like, I dyed my hair during lockdown, like, it was crazy. But 
you kind of see now that we're coming back to normal, like the natural girl makeup look is back and we're getting back into like, I guess, athleisure and stuff like that. More like simple things, which I'm not saying that's like people not expressing themselves, but you can definitely see um, the trends, especially on a college yeah. campus and what um, trends are really influencing people. Because I feel like it takes like my style has been so consistent for a while that um, I look at like TikTok trends and it's fun to look at, but I really know what I like. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I have to think about trends when I'm doing stuff for my shop, but mm -hmm. personal style is a completely different thing. But um, I think just like you kind of see how people kind of like regress back into this thing where they want to fit in and they want to be a part of the majority. And I feel like definitely I've started feeling like that too, especially with... Um, just being a more sociable person and being a, working in certain places and being around certain people, you kind of want to fit in. And it's hard to be authentically yourself, especially when now we're so immersed back into society versus mm -hmm. during COVID. I feel like um, a lot of people um, like being alone with yourself and being able to just think, I feel like, first of all, people found out they had mental illnesses <laughs> yeah <laughs> and a lot of people were just I feel like being alone and being in this kind of society where we have to just um see things through online we don't actually get to like meet people it really makes you take inspiration from certain things but then also make it your own mm -hmm. with the like uh how you just mentioned like online like seeing things online I an interesting like phenomenon I've been seeing for the past few months have been people saying like I've been so immersed on like um, like fashion like TikTok and everything that I forget that I can't just like go to the grocery store in my little hometown like wearing this because no one else dresses like this. Yeah. It's like it's like interesting how much online can like warp how you just interpret society in general. Like, but I've seen that happen a lot. I saw a video of someone. Um, in a very like Victorian-esque like um, full black lace like outfit and I don't remember where they were from but they were like this is not what anyone else wears and I forget <laughs> that this is not normal <laughs> no I even saw a video of a girl who was like on the New York subway and she was like why am I the only one like dressed up like this and so many people were commenting like I don't know we just dress normal but also it's New York. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I, I think like we, yeah, especially with the internet, we always see like these fits and we assume that like people in their daily lives dress like that. Then you go don't. out like that and no one does. Mm -hmm. Even in bigger places, like I assume here people aren't going to dress like that. But like even when you go to bigger cities, it's like most people are just dressed comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like really the main city that has a lot more uh, like less athleisure and stuff is honestly like L.A. because that's what, kind of where everyone goes eventually um, when they want to be in like the creative space because New York like is known for like such a big like streetwear thing. But they have so many people in that city that it's like it might be a lot of people in the streetwear scene, but like since it's populated so much, it's like it's really just a small part. Like, we're just seeing the camera that is taking pictures of these specific fits. But, like, more than likely, everyone around is, like, wearing, like, business casual because they're walking to work or something. Like, I don't, it's just interesting. Very. Yeah, Sex in the City has given me a really warped view <laughs> of New York. Yeah, I think, I think it has for a lot of people, me included. And, like, Carrie Diaries, too. Definitely. It definitely formed how I thought New York worked <laughs> as a child. Oh my god, I remember Gossip Girl really fun. <gasps> I saw New York. Yeah, because I remember... Yeah. Cause <laughs> XOXO. <laughs> I was in, like, middle school, and I saw how, like, disgusted Blair was with going to NYU. And I was like, oh, I'll never go to NYU. <laughs> and then in high school, I was like, wait, I kind of want to apply there. You're yeah. like, maybe NYU is. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy how, like, different interpretations of the city, it's never what it's portrayed like. Maybe it is in some places, but I've been to New York a couple times, and it's usually just people are always going places. Yeah. It's just, it's always moving. Mm -hmm. But my, like, specific niche is fashion and movies and TV shows, and one of my favorite things about Gossip Girl is towards the, like, later seasons, they stopped caring fully. There's a scene of 
um, Serena in like a cafe or something, but they didn't turn the camera up enough, and you can see that Blake Lively is in sweatpants. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they, they stopped, stopped caring completely. <laughs> and like, you could see the mic in like that scene too, and I was like, oh man. <laughs> Like, that's one of my favorite little Easter eggs. I don't remember what season it's in, but it's like a coral top and then just like gray sweatpants. And it's like, this is not what she would wear. (laughs) This is very out of character. I heard they also all wore Uggs on set. Yes. Yes, they did. That's a Bob. There, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. There is um, one show where any time that you see them like sitting or something, I think honestly it was confirmed with like RuPaul's Drag Race that half of the people, like the judges, are not like fully decked out like head to toe. It's like just when like they're sitting, half. yeah, I think so. But there's some show where it was like confirmed by one of like the showrunners that anytime you don't see their legs, they're, it's sweatpants every single time. And I don't remember what show it was, but it was like a big thing that that came out. One of the only ones I think, like, they were, like, fully costumed the whole time is Devil Wars Prada because they kind of can't get away with that and how how theirs was set up. But, yeah, I love the little, like, Easter eggs of, like, hmm, what happened here? Like, Game of Thrones with, like, the Starbucks cup that's just, like, in the shot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is real. That doesn't even sound real. (laughs) No, it's real. Season 8, they kind of went rogue a little bit. So if you rewatch season eight, there is absolutely a Starbucks cup in, like, I think Dragonstone in one of the scenes there. Okay. Because when I first watched, I saw it on Twitter when that season aired, because I remember people being like, oh, what is this going on? And then when I watched the series, I was like, oh, wait, that's actually there. I thought that someone made that up. Yeah, Little Easter eggs like that are fun to me. What are you listening to right now? Um, actually, let me, I've been, um, on, like, a 2000s music binge. Okay. Um, also Hunter Gex. Oh, a lot of yeah. Gex. And, um, my friends recently made me listen to a lot of Ethel Kane. I've been oh, loving, yeah. loving it. Um, and also, let me see. Um, this is like a guilty pleasure, I guess. I've been listening to the Hamilton soundtrack on like repeat <laughs> and also Cancun by Playboy Cardi. Okay. I know way too many songs by heart from Hamilton. <laughs> it was so fun in like um, high school when I would take really like long showers or something, I would just have the playlist going of every single song I knew and I would just be pretending that I'm performing. No, literally. It's so <laughs> fun. <laughs> and like go hard for no reason. No, like, I don't know. And it's so crazy that Lin-Manuel Miranda actually, like, wrote every single word of every single song. He is crazy. No, he like, is. A lot of his musicality is just a lot. Like, every single song he writes, too, like, the production has is so intense. Like, there's so many, like, layers of instrumentals and samples and stuff. I'm like, what is happening? It's wild. But, like, I... I fully learned the the like fast rap and Guns and Ships, and I felt so good about myself <laughs> with that. I don't think I can do it now because I stumble over my words more than I did in high school. I remember I had memorized all the words to like the Cabinet Battle one and two. Yeah. Oh, I love those. I think I know Cabinet Battle two better <laughs> if I'm remembering that one. But yeah, Hamilton was great. Sometimes it's fun to put it on in the car on a long drive, and you're just like. I am on Broadway at the moment. <laughs> no, I love Broadway songs and I love theater songs. I don't know. You can get real like animated with it in the car. What's your favorite show? Um, I really like, um, I saw Wicked. I really <gasps> liked it. You saw Wicked? Yeah. I am so jealous. Oh my God. And um, last year in New York, my mom managed to get, like me and my mom went to New York for a little, like we hadn't been on a trip in a while. <laughs> And we managed to find Hamilton tickets for like 200 each, which wasn't bad. Yeah. And I saw Hamilton in person. And oh my God, let me tell you, craziest show ever. Yeah. They don't even like breathe for like a second. They're always in it. And like, um, I, I really, my, my friend is really obsessed with this one. Oh, she li- really likes Legally Blonde the music. Oh yeah, it's good. It's solid. And um, Heather's. I I know the entire, entire 
like soundtrack for Heather's. I know every single song. I love it. It was very formative for my childhood, and I don't know what that says, but it was great. I was kind of disappointed with the movie, though, <laughs> with Winona Ryder. Mm, it's okay. Because I knew the musical first, and I was like, oh, where's, like, the songs? Like, I want, like, Candy Shop right now, please. Thank you. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of, like, my favorite shows now. Probably Heather's and then Wicked. Um, oh, oh, I think there's one that's in my head at the moment, and I don't know what. Lion King has really good songs, though, like the way that they interpreted um, the songs from the movies were really good. It's going to bother me that I can't think of this play now. I'll figure it out later and let you know. <laughs> you got any goals for the rest of the semester slash rest of the year, school-wise and business-wise? Um, honestly, I'm trying to just, like, have my GPA recover from my freshman year. Fair. Um, yeah, it was bad. It was real bad. Even my, like, academic advisor looked at it and was like, whoa, there's a big change there. <laughs> um, but I think goals in general for, the, for this year, uh, I just want to get um, not really anything with, like, my shop, I guess, kind of just keep doing what I'm doing. I do want to make a website, okay. which mm-hmm. is something that I've been, like, trying to do um, because I've been making a portfolio. And then I was like, might as well just, like, try and make a website while I'm at it. And that's actually been really fun. I'm slowly working on it. And then I think, oh, I have an internship this summer, and um, it's in New York, funnily enough. Um, But I have to do, like, a little bit of stuff for that at the end of the year, and I have to, um, I think my biggest thing is, like, goal-wise, get everything packed up and actually figure out what I'm going to take because I'm living in a very small place. And um, I think I'm going to try and get up, get rid of, like, a bunch of stuff that I have, a bunch of clothes, because um, obviously with holding, like, owning a shop and everything, I have a storage unit, and I have a lot of stuff. Not a lot of stuff in my personal closet, unfortunately, which is so crazy, actually, because um, I get stuff, and, like, I have to just not try it on so that I don't keep it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like... Um, I think also with it is I think as you get older, your closet size does go down a little mm-hmm. bit just because you start to find out that you don't need all these like small, small, random things. Yeah. So like my closet size has kind of shrunk down to like half of what it was. But and then also just like general school goals, like get A's and be happy. <laughs> Can't beat that. Yeah. I mean, they're good. They're solid goals. I need to like really start on my goal of like downsizing like my closet but also just things in general me too because i have like two banker boxes of stuff that i've brought every time i've moved somewhere and like they have like little things that i need occasionally but like i never open those boxes i'm like i need to like go through those and figure out what is actually in here and stuff i need to really do that yeah with downsizing um i feel like also, whenever you, I, I try to downsize at least like once a month, but downsizing feels so good, honestly. Um, getting rid of stuff and like I'm a maximalist, like I'm self-proclaimed maximalist. I don't think I could ever be a minimalist, but like the more I um, kind of, I guess, grow or just like see um, what kind of stuff I like, find that a lot of stuff that I have is just not necessary and I'm kind of just keeping for sentimental value mm-hmm. I'm a I am a big, I am. big victim of that because <laughs> I always have to go through my stuff I'm like oh I wore this on my first date with that one guy back in high school and like oh that was a really good date <laughs> but that's like how I think I always find a way to keep things my issue is I'm always like, what? But I might like need this for like like a random like I don't know Halloween costume or something. But like I should probably just give that away if it's if it's like a theoretical future thing. But like I'm, that's my main issue is I'm like I might need this later. That's all I am. And then it just builds. Up. And later never comes for me. It's yeah. just still just sitting there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. My drawers, um, like they're. Honestly, everything that is in my drawers are the things I don't wear because they're not the things that come out at all. So I need to, like, just take those out and just replace them with the current things. (laughs) It's a problem. I feel like 
I, yeah, my my drawers in my own like dorm literally overflowing. Even my sock and underwear drawer, like why is that one overflowing? Yeah, <laughs> I've fallen victim to buying every pair of fuzzy socks that I see. I had to stop doing that because I had to like buy really like specific like really thick socks for certain boots that I have and then like specific socks for these Converse because if you don't wear tall enough ones they like rip up my feet and it hurts a lot but like because of that it's just there's too many socks in there. Definitely. I had to buy specific socks for um, my Doc Martens because I remember I had like I would I always wear like thin white socks usually, but I remember I got so such bad blisters on my ankles. I would just completely soak the sock. I had to buy nice thick ones for them. Yeah, I understand completely. My boots aren't um, Doc Martens, but they. Um, I don't remember what they are. If we're gonna be honest, but whatever it is, if. My socks aren't thick, and then also completely covering the very top. I get, like, a full-on cut from, like, the zipper or something, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is not great. There's, like, four pairs of socks that I can only wear with those because they're thick enough for it. Okay, wait, I have a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you describe your personal style? Like, if you had to pick one genre of, like, a core, what would it be? Oh, I don't know, because I'm still trying to, like, get there. It's just money. I'm trying to, like, really slowly accumulate. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think if Deuce has. Mine's kind of, like, all over the place. I don't know. My, my style is kind of... I get inspiration from music. Um, get a lot of inspiration from athletes. But still, my um, I kind of like to try to either... If I see something that somebody's wearing and I don't know where it's from or I do know where it's from, I kind of try to, like, find something that is not all the way, not always similar, but kind of, like, gives off the same vibe. But, yeah, my personal style is kind of all over the place. I don't think I've completely found it. I'm kind of on the route of finding it. But, yeah, it's kind of just everywhere. Yeah, I'm... Really, lately, I've just been the only like actual staple of my style currently are straight leg, like l- big pants, and that's basically like the that's the solid thing currently, because I I cannot wear tight pants like no, at all. I no, I tried on a pair of flare leggings at Target, and they're the only like leggings I have tried on in the past like two years that I was like, oh maybe, <laughs> but like otherwise it's literally all jeans. But I I. It's not what I cur- like my current style is not what I want to get to, but I'm also really slowly building up to. I don't know what I would call it though. Hmm. Oh no, I like like the fairy core type stuff though, but also sometimes I like try on like the clothes that fit fairy core and I'm like, this looks weird on me. <laughs> like I don't know about this. So I don't know. It's definitely a work in progress. Really? I feel like you don't really find your personal style until I don't know, maybe like 30. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of trial and error. Yeah, but also I like can't imagine wearing what like I currently wear or want to wear when I'm 30. So it like makes me spiral sometimes because I'm like, what will I wear when I'm like 30 with like a big girl job? No. No, that's so scary because you only start earning money until you're like a, like big girl money when you're yeah. a little bit older. And like at least with like, you know, with like money you make in college and stuff unless you have like a really high paying job for some reason you can't really buy the things you like and I think that's why a lot of people like fall victim to fast fashion and stuff like that but um I feel like then when you get older and um you have the money you don't have the like you always feel like you're I guess too old for the style that you wanted Mm -hmm. kind of lose that passion like a lot of people uh, it's very select few that like when they get the money they're like okay this is what I've always wanted versus I fell victim to fast fashion I've got some money now and it's kind of like uh I'm just going to stay there because I've grown out of that yeah yeah it's definitely a interesting cycle and everything what I'm interested though with your question what would you say your like core is like what would you define yours as I definitely think that at the core of all my style, like my encapsulate everything, is I love um, Victorian, just mm-hmm. everything Victorian. Um, I always try to add little details like that into like everything that I wear, like 
mixing old with new. And I've, I guess I try, I try a lot of everything. Um, I've found that as much as I love selling Y2K, it's not the best style for me. I love more either like very futuristic, like, um, I don't know if you've seen like Wisdom K on TikTok, yes. but he does like <laughs> like style throughout the ages and like his futuristic stuff. I love that. And I also really like Victorian stuff. Um, and I like 90s. I like muted color sometimes. But um, I think whenever I started out with um, just like being interested in fashion, it was kind of all just like trying to stockpile all these trends that... Um, I thought I liked because other people were wearing them. So like I really did like, I did like the mom jean style. I've also done like, I guess the fairy style with like the long skirts. I've tried everything. And I feel like now that I've gone through all these things, um, I think really at the core of my style is I love skirts. Skirts with everything. I need to find better skirts and also tops to go with said skirts because I own two skirts currently, but every top I have, I hate with it. And I'm like, hmm, I'm like, there's something happening here and I don't know what. See, like, what I have that issue too. I always, whenever I buy something now, I have to be like, I need to be able to pair this with like 20 other things in my closet. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to wear it. And I think that's like actually a big problem because a lot of people end up buying just like statement pieces. I know that was a problem for me for a little bit. I'd always buy things that I thought were like super fun and like I actually felt good spending money on. But then it's like I don't have a white tank top to go with this. I don't have like just a nice black mini skirt. And like it kind of sucks to spend money on like just like basics. Mm -hmm. But it definitely does help with like at least like pairing things with more statement pieces because... My personal style, it could be all statement pieces, but it doesn't really look the greatest together. Yeah, basics, I think, are looked over a lot, but you need it. You need at least, like, one basic item and kind of any, like, outfit, because you need something that, like, is neutral. That kind of pulls everything together. Yeah, Yeah, you need something that is, like, a thread for everything, almost. And now online, you see, like, elevated basics, just, Mm -hmm. like... I guess like a tank top maybe like with like strappy sleeve or something. I love those though. I, I love so like I love um subversive like um like basics like stuff just like really interesting silhouettes and like cutouts and stuff. That's what I like. I just it's very hard to find that like currently unless it's online. Yeah, I know a lot of um fashion houses have started doing that. I know Helmet Lang does it really well because mm-hmm. they have a lot of those, like, you know, just slight, something a little bit slightly over the top. And also Rick Owens does that a little bit. Yeah, Rick Owens loves doing that. Oh, my God, what are your guys' thoughts on Rick Owens? I mean, I like Rick Owens. I th- um, Sometimes I, like, there's some certain, like, pieces that come out, and I'm like, I mean, kind of. I'm not, like, huge on them, but there's always a handful of pieces in any... Um, collection or like um, new trend that like comes out from Rick Owens that I always like. There's always something that is just really cool looking. I love it. I love creativity. I like brands that I look at it and be like, if I see some stuff that I think that I couldn't wear, I love it because it's like <laughs> it doesn't look like you're making this for everybody. You're making this just you're just making it because this is what you want to put out. So I'm really a big fan. I think. Um, I do like how they have the um, the dark shadow line, so it's a little bit more for the regular consumer if they still want to wear Rickons, but I like how they have their main line, and it's, like, all the way out there. Yeah, they do a good job of, like, mixing, um, like, general public with, like, celebrity-type fashion almost. Like, there's, like, only specific pieces for this, like, person, but they also have ones that just people can buy and just wear, like, really easily. I feel like they merge that really well. Yes. And I definitely feel like fashion houses like Rick Owens are getting bigger because they try to market to more normal people. Yeah. And so I feel like a lot of big fashion houses like Balenciaga, Chanel, Dior are kind of falling out of favor because, you know, their prices are still going up and you they're not really doing anything new and innovative. And I love looking at, like, these not, like, smaller brands, but, like, people who are up and coming kind of yeah. doing different things. For sure. No, definitely. I've one like one of my favorite designers like ever though is one that I will firstly never be able to own anything from, but like also cannot imagine myself wearing. But Iris Van Herpen, I love anything, anything from her. But also like I will 
cannot wear them. <laughs> like, that's n- not happening, but I love it. Oh, my God. I remember I went on her, like, little website. I was like, I have to see if I can buy one of these dresses. The only thing she sells, I think, to, like, just, like, people is, like, belts and stuff. Yeah, she really doesn't. Yeah. Like, her actual pieces that are very, like, futuristic, like, alien-esque, not general public. Yeah, it's all, like, made to order, which, I don't know, like... If I ever become famous one day, I'm I'm getting an Iris Van Harpen dress, and I'm getting that one that um, I think Haley Steinfeld wore it <gasps> yes. at the Met Gala. It's like kind of like goes like mm-hmm. across your body, um, but that one was really cool. Yeah, I like the ones that she has that like almost go out like wings or waves, like further out from the body. I really like those a lot. I think Duff Cameron kind of wore one like that. It was yeah, Duff Cameron had the one on at the Met Gala that mimicked the boning of um, a uh, of the time period that the theme was supposed to be. Like it wasn't the gown, but the boning of how the gown was was supposed to mimic that silhouette, mm-hmm. which was really cool. And uh, everyone who was like, she didn't fit the theme. I was like, yes, she. Did. <laughs> I was like, yes, she did. Look it up. <laughs> like, do not slander Iris Van Harpen here. No, her designs, like, I don't, I think she trained under Alexander McQueen, if I'm remembering correctly. But, like, it's crazy that she, like, like, an, a lot of people will know, like, you know, obviously, like, Gucci and stuff. But, like, Iris Van Herpen, no one does it like her. Mm-hmm. And it's all just not, like, normal materials you would think of. I've seen, like, the little videos of them actually, like, hand-making the dress. And it's all, like, plastics and very, like, materials that aren't supposed to be, like, moldable. Mm -hmm. And it's super cool how she actually is able to, like, make it to actually fit someone. Yeah, And when you look at the pieces, it doesn't look, like, bent plastic at all. Like, it literally looks like it's flowing, like, out. Like, it's crazy. I don't understand. She made a dress, I think. I don't know what it was made of, but it looked like like water all over yes. the body. That like water series that she had, one of my favorite things ever. It was crazy. Yeah, I love them. Some brands though that I think are I don't know. I like don't know how I feel about them or like diesel and stuff. I really like diesel, like their aesthetic. But I think that they're like marketing certain things wrong. Like that one skirt that went really like viral or whatever. I saw someone wear it as a top and I was like, that's a lot better than what the skirt is. I was like, why are we doing that? Let's market it as that instead. I remember, I'd like my opinion on diesel. I remember when I used to buy diesel like a couple years ago, it'd be super cheap. Then they had their little like, um, like they blew up a little bit. And, like, if you see, like, older diesel pieces, they really mimic, like, number nine and stuff like that with, like, distressed sweaters mm-hmm. and these, like, cargo mini skirts and stuff. And I think that's really cool. But with, like, their new line, obviously, it's gotten way more expensive. But the quality has also gone down. Yeah, the Velcro on the skirts and stuff, yeah. And you could see, it, at least on the runway or backstage, um, things don't really fit the models, like, correctly and stuff like that. And especially with, like... Velcro was like a big thing because obviously like if you're gonna sell like a $900 skirt it shouldn't really have Velcro on it no (laughs) or at least like if it is say that that is part of the material (laughs) but um I think another brand that's kind of iffy um have you like heaven by Marc Jacobs like their little line oh yeah I've seen a lot of criticisms lately because I um, I love I love that line. Like when it first came out, I still own a bag from it. But like a lot of people now, as they keep releasing new collections, have said like it's getting more expensive and the quality is going down. And they've been collabing with like these really big names, like um, they did the Blade collab, and I think they just did with someone new. I'll have to check, but they. Usually there's, like, a seasonal process with it where, like, you kind of build up hype and then it feels good when the collection drops and everyone wants to buy it. But recently, like, at least once a month, I get a new email saying a new collection is dropping. And I feel like they've kind of lost their momentum with, like, marketing to a younger audience because um, after a little while, like, it creates less hype for the brand just because if you consistently put out new stuff, no one's excited for a new drop anymore if it's the same thing. Yeah, that brand is interesting. I definitely agree with the fact that they've lost their momentum and, like, constantly releasing collections may not be the best, like, way to go about it because 
people will get bored really easily if they know that another one's going to come soon. Yeah. It's not as hyped up in general like the other ones would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. What would you say is your favorite brand? Um, I'm going to say, like, I think it's kind of predictable, but Vivian Westwood. Okay. Same. <laughs> I, like, I'm going to, like... I forgot to mention this. I take a lot of inspiration from her with the um, punk era in the in London um, during when she start, first started designing. And um, she's a really big inspiration just for, like, I think most normal people because, like, she didn't start designing until she was 30. And, you know, we always have this, like, pressure to start doing and hustling at a very young age and constantly be on it. But you can take your time and big things can happen later in life. Yeah, her and Vera Wang are such good examples of that. Because I think Vera Wang didn't start designing until she was like 40 or past that. And she's huge now. But yeah, I love Vivian Westwood, everything about it. I love punk culture in general, too. It's a bob. Yeah, and it's definitely, I like kind of like, not the anarchist, but like fighting against like uh, the majority. Mm-hmm. The norms. Yeah, definitely. Because like, um, I remember I've done a lot of research on her and, you know, her designs like back in the day in the 70s would be like really just not vulgar. Yeah, like very vulgar. Because I remember there's one shirt with like, Mickey injecting heroin and like Mickey and Minnie having sex and stuff like that and it's like really stuff that's out there and she was probably like really ridiculed during her time mm-hmm. but I think um, at, at least with this generation you can really appreciate things like that because you know it took for her to actually blow up and make something producing those designs right out of the get-go is crazy yeah it's very brave too to like immediately start out doing that I think it definitely paved the way for a lot of young creators because it's like they don't have to think like I've got to go this route for other people to see me because if I've seen someone else do it and start off this way and where they've made it to, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think like in some ways controversy can help like brands in like the way that like Vivian Westwood's was where it's like not necessarily like genu- genuine controversies like we're seeing now with some brands, mm-hmm. but like um, other ones like where it's just kind of like, what are you doing right now? I feel like that is always better for a brand because it puts attention onto you. Exactly. And then if you keep that momentum, there's going to be people who like it and then find it. Yeah, I think vulgarity at least has become like one of those things that's like like hysteric glamour. Um, they're like Americana kind of thing and they're vulgar phrases on it. People love it. And it's like um, one of those things where it's like a lot of like, the older generation would probably not like it. But I think um, as our generation um, finds, like, I think our generation has the biggest um, part in, like, finding their personal style and being able to, like, um, really help brands with their marketing, actually, and really, like, attaching to these kind of uh, against-the-norm kind of Mm -hmm. designs that um, I think whenever brands kind of have this kind of vulgarity with them, it um, gives them more attention, but it also makes people admire them. I also think that's why a lot of people liked Balenciaga for a little bit. Um, Not really with vulgarity, but just like taking things that like seemed like uncanny, not uncanny, like kind of uncanny, Mm -hmm. and making it different. Same thing with like Rick Owens, I remember. He did, like, a runway show where he had, like, people attached to other people's bags. And it's, like, really uncanny and disturbing to look at. But people love that collection. Yeah. And and that would have never flown, like, back in Vivian Westwood's time. Because the big fashion houses during that time were, like, Chanel and stuff like that. Very classic styles. Mm -hmm. And I feel like now people are really deviating away from that. Yeah, there's a lot more, like, alternative fight the power type stuff. I'm trying to remember who... The brand was, but we talked about it in a in a past episode um, for one of the Fashion Week ones, where it was a Scottish brand that was mainly talking about like the Scottish like revolution and stuff, and like wanting to um, just like the nationalism that Scotland has, like versus like Britain, and it was just really like a really cool collection. I loved everything about it. 
I'm trying to remember who that was now. Yeah, I can't remember either, but I remember us talking about it. I am going to really quickly go on our Instagram and find their name because I know that they got posted. (laughs) And I followed them too, and that one's bothering me. I think the the creator, it started with an S, I think. Simon Cracker. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Simon. Mm -hmm. Yep. I loved that whole collection. It was great. Most overrated brand? Louis Vuitton. Okay. And Goyard. I don't like any either of them. No, I agree with Louis Vuitton mainly because they do not style their ambassadors well. Yeah. Zendaya just signed, and I'm like, oh no, what are we going to do now? Yeah, I definitely think that um, Louis Vuitton has been the most played out and the most um, kind of used to show people's wealth kind of thing yeah which is why i think it's i i don't like it as much just because you know i love their runway their runways are pretty good but i don't like logo fashion as much and they do incorporate their logo into a lot of their like high fashion runways because i can understand that for like ready to wear and stuff like that but i feel like because um, if you look at like some other fashion houses, I guess like Gucci and stuff like that, they'll obviously have like their logo stuff for the ready to wear. But if you look at their couture and stuff like that, it really plays on like the actual structure and design of the clothing. Yeah, I think the best example for that is Fendi, like majorly because they do like logo and high fashion really well, but it's not the only thing they do. And I think that that helps them a lot. But I agree with the Louis Vuitton. Also, if you look at, like, Comme de Garçon, they did, like, their play collection, which is more of, like, a ready-to-wear kind of thing. But, like, I remember when I first, like, started getting into kind of researching fashion um, back in, like, the 7th and 8th grade, I was obsessed with, like, the CDG Converse and stuff like that. And then you, I, like, looked at, like, their actual runways, and it's such a difference. As you can see, like, I, like, everyone, like... Not a lot of people like Comme de Garçon's actual, like, high fashion couture thing because it's not meant to, like, accentuate the things that people want to be accentuated. But I feel like I like when brands can really have a differentiation between, like, what they release to the public and then what is really, like, their creative input, their creative design is very different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Deuce, what do you think? Like, well, firstly, favorite brand, but then also... Um, uh, overrated because you did not answer either of those questions. Oh yes, um, favorite brand. Um, my favorite brand right now, I would say Aleeks because I'm still I'm, I'm obsessed with Matthew Williams right now. That's um, I love his designs. Most overrated. Um, you know, I'm probably gonna agree with you all on Louis Vuitton because I, I mean, I never really had been a fan because of how logo heavy it was, and the only reason that I'd been a fan in the past few years was because of Virgil I'm still gonna kind of support them because of Pharrell now but I mean yeah I I think they're very overrated too I think that that logo is really what sells most of the stuff and a lot of people buy it just thinking I got this logo if you see this logo you know I have money versus like actually liking what they're producing I agree with that and like I We'll definitely like pay attention to Louis Vuitton because I'll be interested to see what Pharrell does. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that they need they. Hopefully, he brings something different because I think they need it like majorly. Because I think like even the diehard like fans are starting to really go down a little bit or get at least like burnt out. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think a lot of younger people aren't as into Louis Vuitton mm-hmm. as before. I I remember. Um, I started paying attention, yeah, you know, when Virgil Avalo was the creative director, and I really liked Off-White during that time, too. And I'm excited to see Pharrell and what he does there. I really hope um, they focus more on um, their couture looks rather than pumping out, like, leather jackets and stuff with all the logos. Because I feel like now when you see Louis Vuitton, it's always either moms carrying like the Neverfull yeah. <laughs> or like um, people having like the vintage like Murakami bags which I still love but um, their newer stuff isn't as prevalent no I my like vivid memory of Louis Vuitton is I went to an all-girls Catholic school and I don't like I don't know how common knowledge this is but 
in pretty much every like Catholic, Christian, all girls like high school, you don't do backpacks. It's just not what happens at all. It's purses the whole time. And like some people had like gigantic purses that I was like, how are these allowed? Backpacks aren't. Uh, yeah, different thing. But it was such like a thing that if someone had a, like the, a Louis Vuitton purse or a Michael Kors purse that it, um, with like the logos on it, it was like the status symbol kind of thing. And that was like my first like real introduction to it. And so I also have like a really weird reaction to like the Louis Vuitton logo because of that like high school experience too. Because it was such a thing. Have you seen that video, I think, of Bella, Bella Hadid saying like how she didn't get like her Louis Vuitton little... She was like, I didn't have a Louis Vuitton until I was like 17. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, okay, Bella. Because I like there were a handful of like girls who were who had like more well-off families who did have like the Louis Vuitton like bags and man, that got flaunted so often. <laughs> The thing is, I feel like whenever people are wealthy and um, are like majorly wealthy and they're actually respectable about it, a lot of them don't really like a lot of people who you think with like new wealth and stuff like that will buy all these logo things and like the flex culture of everything kind of trying to make yourself seem like really flaunt their wealth. And I think that's also something like internal, like um, that they need to deal with. (laughs) But like um, if you always see like really wealthy people within like in the Asian community, especially um, in the Indian community, like my parents are very well off, but they would never, ever think about buying anything designer. They spend it on like their cheapskates and they don't spend it on anything except like experiences and stuff like that. So like actually going places and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like um, whenever I was growing up in high school and like our little town has like a very wealthy section of it where a lot of people would drive like G-Wagons and have like all these nice bags. But you can really see like what kind of people they are. Mm and how they were raised, especially white people who flaunt their money like that. Because usually their parents were like lawyers or something. And like, I don't know, you can just tell whenever people um, don't, are not humble with their money, especially with these designer purchases, which is why I think I'm so like, averse to like logos and stuff because there's so much nicer things you can buy even though they don't have a logo they just are nicer pieces and they actually might like they actually like take into um, account like body dimensions and and design no i agree yeah i like i like logo stuff sometimes but it very much depends on one the brand Mm -hmm. how they use it and then also like other things too yeah it's very like um, oh, what's the word? Not dependent. I guess dependent. But, like, it's there's very much, like, an asterisk on me liking it. Like, there's, like, various criteria for it. No, like, the Vivian Westwood Orb logo? Die hard for it. Like, I mean, that one's iconic. Like, and I kind of like that that's not, like, just letters or anything, too. So I think also the lettering kind of gets very played out very easily. Like, one of the only ones I, like, genuinely like is the old Dior, like, um, just the D, like, logo that they had for a while, and then YSL. Mm-hmm. Um, but not the new font that they used, the old one, because I hate the new font. Because <laughs> it's so boring. I'm like, why did we change? Like, what are we doing here? All right, well, thank you for listening to this podcast, and thank you to Nipur for joining us. And also thank you to Pops Resale, and I hope that you all have a great day.